Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Well, if you would, turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15, we're continuing on with our series in Genesis on the life of Abraham or Abram at this point. Um, In order to kind of get the full picture of what we're going to be looking at tonight, it might be helpful to go back and remember a few things about where we've been already in Genesis. Remember, God created everything back in Genesis 1. He created everything. He created everything good. It was all a perfect paradise. And He created man and woman, Adam and Eve, to place them in this garden to love Him, to worship Him, to trust Him. And they did not trust Him. They did not believe His Word. Instead, God commanded them that they were not to partake of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And when the serpent came, he said, did God really say? You won't surely die. And instead of believing God, Adam and Eve believed the serpent. They believed the lie. They didn't believe God. But Abram here, we see in the passage tonight, it says, Abram believed God. There's a contrast there. Adam and Eve, they didn't believe what God had said. But Abram, he does tonight in what we see. And then we see that there was a promise given, right? A promise given that there would be a descendant of Eve, a seed of a woman who would one day come who would crush the serpent's head. And we follow the line of genealogy from Adam and Eve all the way up through Seth and through Noah and all the way up to Abram. And we know that Abram is is the one who's carrying that messianic seed. The, the, The Messiah, the one who was going to crush the serpent's head, is going to come from his line. And so we need to keep that all in mind as we look at tonight's text. Here we see a text where basically God is reaffirming His promise to Abram. He promised in chapter 12 that He was going to bless him and He was going to bless those who bless him and, and, and uh, curse those who curse him. He promised that He was going to bless all nations through Abram. And tonight, the text we're looking at is kind of a reaffirmation of that. So let's look at our text beginning in verse 1 of chapter 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. 
And he brought him outside and said, look toward the heaven and number the stars. If you are able to number them, and then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, let the meditations of our hearts and minds be acceptable in Your sight. You are our shield and our defender. We have no place to run but hide ourselves in Thee. Father, help us tonight to understand what Your Word is saying. Feed us on Your Word. Nourish us. Lord, I pray that You would build up faith within us that we can further trust You. Give me strength and grace as I preach Your Word. In Jesus' name, Amen. After these things, well... When you come to a passage that says after these things, you you, you probably got to ask yourself the question, after what things, right? And and we've already kind of done a little bit of a review, but what's the immediate thing that was just just, uh, coming right before this? It was that battle, right? It was that battle where where, um, Abram had some allies and they went up against these five kings that had taken up other other four kings captive. And Abram went out and he rescued Lot and he, he uh, defeated these five kings. And, and Abram, in the, mid, in the middle of this, you know, he probably was kind of dismissive towards the, those kings that he re- went off and rescued. Right? You know, the king of Sodom offered him, hey, you know, let us have the people, but you take the rest. You know, you take the rest. And Abram was like, I don't want anything you've got. Right. I don't want to have. I don't want to associate myself with the king of Sodom. I don't want anyone to say you've made Abram rich, right? And so maybe he 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 slighted the king of Sodom and those other other kings, and and maybe he had some kind of a fear that they might come after him next, right? So maybe that's why it is that. Whenever Abram has this vision, what is it that the Lord says to him? But fear not. Don't be afraid. The next thing it says after, after, after these things, he says, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. This is also familiar terminology. Maybe you recognize the word of the Lord came to from other biblical passage. It's it's very common in the prophets. The prophets, uh, the word of the Lord came to such and such a prophet. And Jonah is the first thing that comes to mind for me. The word of the Lord came to Jonah and he said, arise and go to Nineveh, right? This is a common way that that, uh, it introduces a prophet in, in the Old Testament prophetic literature. And here, what we have is is you have uh, the same language here. The Word of the Lord came to Abram. Kind of identifying Abram as a kind of a prophet. And later on, Abimelech, uh, in the story about Abimelech, Abram is called a prophet. 
And here it also says it came to him in a vision. And a lot of times the, the prophets, whenever they would, um, they would have something from the Lord, it would come in a dream or in a vision. And here again we see Abram. He has this dream and the Lord comes to him. Let's look at the content of what the Lord tells him. He says, fear not. These are important words, fear not. We, we, they're, they're very, very common in the Bible, aren't they? We hear them often, uh, uh, Joshua, whenever they were getting ready to go in and take the land of Canaan. God told Joshua, fear not. And I've heard that it said, if you, if you count up all the times whenever the Scriptures say, fear not, fear not, fear not, if you count them all up, there's 365. So that you can, you can have one for every single day of the year. Fear not. Here, the Lord comes to Abram and He says, fear not. He doesn't have to worry about those, the, those uh, ancient warlord kings that were going to come and, and attack Him after, after the battle was over because the Lord was going to be His shield. The Lord says, fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. There's two things that Abram could have been fearful about. One is, he's, he just had battle with these kings. What's going to happen if they come again? But the other thing that he may be fearful about is, okay, God promised I'm going to have descendants. I'm going to have so many descendants. At the end of... Uh, the passage where it talks about Abram and Lot splitting ways. God had told him um, that uh, he was going to have as many offspring as all the dust of the earth, right? And we know when we first run across Abram back in chapter 12, he's already 75 years old. And we know that by the time Isaac is actually born, he's like 99 years old. So, we don't know exactly how old Abram is here at this point, but he may be afraid, how is God going to keep His promise? How is God going to keep His promise? And so, the Lord says to him, Fear not, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. Again, I think the reward being very great may have something to do with what came before it as well. He didn't take anything from the king of Sodom. He didn't take any of the, the, the spoils from the battle. He said, you know, let the other guys have it. I don't want it. The Lord tells him, your reward will be very good. He doesn't need the, the riches from the plunder of battle. But the Lord will be his reward. He says, your reward will be very great. And the Lord promised him earlier in chapter 12, He's going to bless him. He's going to bless those who bless him. He's going to dishonor those who, uh, those who he dishonors, he will curse. And all the families of the earth were going to be blessed in Abram. That's the kind of reward that Abram had to look forward to. But Abram said, hey, hey, there's an obstacle here. Oh, Lord God. Abram addresses the Lord. 
And you might take notice here, uh, in, in, if you're watching along, if you're looking along in your, in your Bibles, it doesn't have it up here this way. But um, in your own Bibles, if you look at it, it should say capital L with a lowercase O-R-D, and then you've got a capital G, capital O, capital D. Okay? That's, that's uh, Lord God is the way it's translated, but it, the word God there is where it says Yahweh, the, the, the divine name. So he's, he's addressing Him in that, in that name. He says, Oh Lord God, what do You give me? For I continue childless. And the heir of my house is, Damas- is the Eliezer of Damascus. So, Abram, he, he's concerned. God has promised this, and, and he knows that there is a, a line of messianic seed that's been promised for 20 generations, ever since Adam and Eve. He knows that there, there's a messianic hope of someone who's going to come. He knows he's pr- been promised that that descendant is going to come from him. And yet here he is, advanced in years, with a barren wife, and he asked the Lord, when is it going to come? When is it going to come? You know, something ought to... We, we, we ought to be able to kind of resonate with this. How many of us have longed for something for a really, really long time only to have our hopes put on hold. Um, I believe it's in the Proverbs that says, uh, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Right? And, and Abraham, he has this hope in the Lord. He's trusting that the Lord will keep His promise, but it's deferred. He's waiting and waiting and, and he's asking the Lord, when are you going to, are you going to do it this way? The only heir that I know of is Eliezer of Damascus. I'm, he's 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 uh, Eliezer. Probably he was another worshiper of the true God, along with Abram. Um, his name means "My God is my help." My God is a help, um, Eliezer. And but the problem is he's of Damascus. He's not one of Abram's descendants. He's just a member of his own household. So he may be asking God, are you, are, is this the way you're going to fulfill the promise? And God speaks a word of encouragement to him. He says, Behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir, but your very own son shall be your heir. A son from his own body is going to be his heir. And he brought him outside. The Lord is compassionate to Abram. He brings him outside. He tells him, look up in the sky. Look towards the heaven. Number the stars if you can. Have you ever been outside looking up at the stars and tried to count them? (laughs) You can't do it. And boy, there's a difference where you are. Uh, Because if you're in the city and you look up at the skies, you may not be able to see very many stars. You, live out, you go out to where Mike lives, <laughs> and you see a lot more stars out there. Astronomers tell us there's billions and billions of stars. It's uncountable how many stars there are. We're not able to, to put a number on how many stars there are in the universe. And the Lord tells Abram, 
If you can count the stars, you can count all your kids, all your children, all your descendants. Then, Abram, it says, and he believed the Lord. He believed the Lord and counted it to him as righteousness. He was comforted by what the Lord told him. He believed his word. Again, here, uh, we're going to contrast here. We've got Adam and Eve. They didn't believe God. They didn't believe the word that the Lord had spoke. Instead, they partook of the fruit. They didn't believe that they would die when this happened. But Abram believed the Lord. Paul picks this up in the New Testament and, and, and tells us we're saved by faith in Christ. We're saved by faith in Him. Not from the works of the law. Not from trying to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and be a good person. But we're saved by faith in trusting in Him. There's a difference. There's a contrast between these two things. He sa- it says, Abraham believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. To count something to someone is to consider it. To consider it. Faith is not righteousness. Right? They're not the same thing. To, to have faith, it means I believe something, right? I believe that this is true. And righteousness is conforming to a moral standard, right? Conforming to a moral standard. is That's what righteousness is. But yet, we know that the Scripture tells us none is righteous. No, not one. None of us are righteous. We have all sinned. We have all been like sheep who have gone astray. This story here tells us that Abram, he wasn't justified, he wasn't uh, considered righteous because of his own works, but he was considered righteous because of his faith, because he believed God's Word. This points forward to the fact that when Christ came, when He died upon the cross for our sins, the way is open for anyone who would believe. You might think... (laughs) You don't know what I've done, Jared. You don't know what I've done, preacher. You, you, you can look at my life and, and see uh, all the things that I, I've done. You know, some, some have said, if we knew what God knows about each one of you, we would, wouldn't let you come in the building. And if you knew what, what God knew about me, you wouldn't let me in this pulpit. Right? It's true. Because we've all sinned. We've all broken God's laws. We have all fallen so short of the, of the standard that He has. So how can we be made right with God? How can we be justified? It's through faith. The same way Abraham was. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And Jesus came to die for our sins. And if we believe in Him, if we trust in Him, if we uh, throw ourselves on Jesus and His mercy, then our faith is counted as righteousness. It's not righteousness. It's counted as righteousness. The concept here is imputed righteousness. Um, that, that's a theological term. To impute something is to, is to, it's to consider it on someone else's behalf. Okay? It's, 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 uh, 
it's not actually righteous, but it's it's so when Jesus came, he lived a sinless life. He lived a perfect and flawless life. And when we have our faith in him, when we trust in him and throw all of our weight on him, his righteousness is imputed to us. It is considered our own. And when God looks at us, if we're trusting in Him, He sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So, when you're discouraged because the enemy comes at you accusing you, Lord, did you see what Abraham did? Did you see how how he tried to pass his wife off as his sister? And the Lord says, yes, but he believed my words. And when the accuser comes before the Lord and says, did you see what that preacher did? (laughs) Did you see what that guy did? What that believer did? He says he's a Christian. And look at what he did. But the Lord says, He has faith in Jesus. What I see is the righteousness of my Son. What we have here in the story of Abram is beautiful. It it shows us how we can be made right with God even though we're not righteous. God counted Abram's faith as righteousness. And We could never live up to that kind of a standard. We could never be perfectly righteous. So the way is open where we can trust in Him, trust in Jesus, trust that our sins were paid for on the cross. Our sins were put upon Jesus and His righteousness was imputed to us. And we now have peace with God. We've now been reconciled. We've now been justified. Justification is a legal declaration. Justification doesn't mean I'm now righteous. Justification means God sees me as righteousness. He's declared me righteous. It's not a fiction, but He's declared me not guilty. Righteous because of what Jesus has done, not because of what I've done. That's the Gospel. And we find it here in the story of Abram. This ought to have also implications about how we see one another. When we look at another person, we have no room to judge a fellow believer. Because we know, I never lived up to a perfect standard. And he's not living up to my standard, but neither did I live up to God's. We remember, when we look at a fellow believer, they are somebody who God looks at and sees the righteousness of Christ. And we ought to remember that. We ought to remember, when God looks at that person, He sees the righteousness of Christ. And it ought to have implications for how we treat one another. I think it's going to be kind of short tonight. (laughs) I've been all wound up. 
But we have short text. Let's. Uh, I'll leave us with this um, application. Trust in Jesus. Trust in Him. When you are down, when you are tempted, when you are broken, trust in Him. Trust that His blood washed away your sins. Trust that when you trust in Christ, He sees the righteousness of Christ. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.